Fred Griegaard, CEO of the Cardano Foundation, gives us the rest of his two-part interview next on your Cardano Update. Hello everyone and welcome to this holiday edition of your Cardano Update. Today is December 25th, 2020. Christmas, Hanukkah, whatever it is you celebrate, we here at your Cardano Update and our stake pool, United Stakes of Cardano, wish you a very happy holiday season and we're just thrilled to have you tuning in. Now earlier this week we spoke to Fred Griegaard, Chief Executive Officer of the Cardano Foundation and we're happy to bring you the other half of that interview. Fred Griegaard, Chief Executive Officer of the Cardano Foundation, joining us for questions. Fred, what is your regulatory strategy for Cardano? Is it a mix of policy advocacy and lobbying? I mean, which jurisdictions are most key? Developing countries first? The U.S.? I mean, I know that's a loaded question there, but uh, I'm just pretty curious about your regulatory strategy. So to be uh, very honest with you, we don't have a regulatory strategy just in the foundation. Uh, we are we are having the let's say the design principles for it, and one of them, uh, I think I mentioned before, right, uh, is that we wanna we need more bandwidth, and we wanna have a, a regulatory outreach committee. So I'm looking at forming a kind of a board with uh, international lawyers and tax experts and other people, uh, which can work strategically together with the organization and the foundation to ensure also capital deployment, but also prioritization of our work packages, uh, but also looking at which countries, uh, according to the timeline, is the right ones to be uh, to be prioritizing. So this, uh, this regulatory outreach committee is something I want to uh, ensure that we have deployed um, in the next fiscal year. Um, then we need to work with uh, organizations like POSA and others, who basically connects all of the proof of stake protocols together, because uh, let's face it, we might be in the community seen as, oh, Cardano is big, but there's also a Tezos, there's also a, a Ethereum, and there's also others, right? And if we pool forces together, we'll have a la much larger impact towards actually uh, policymakers and, and, and regulators in terms of that. Then the third angle, which is in kind of the, the evolving strategy document is around education. So, we really need to spend a lot of time ensuring that the academia, so the great research we've done right now, that it can also be translated into a level where master students and bachelor students can get access to this. So by actually enhancing the general literacy around proof of stake uh, through the universities, we will also ensure that um, when the regulators or when the governments need help, they very frequently ask the, uh, the academia because they are seen as very unbiased, right? And then they actually have the necessary tools in the box to give the right answers. And then let's say the last but not least is that um, when I look into the Cardano Foundation, there's a couple of very interesting things happening, which is, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm basically very thrilled about it, but also very frustrated. So, um, you know, we do staking, as, as you all know, right? We're very uh, public around our staking, um, you know, strategy, right? But what does that mean from a tax perspective? What does that mean from an income perspective? What does that mean from a, you know, all those kind of regulatory perspective, right? Are we actually doing asset management? Are we not doing asset management when we are staking, right? Because we're actually kind of selecting, um, you can think about it as different managers, right? Um, so all of those things has impacts, whether that is tax events and so on. So when we solve those things for ourselves, 
we should be much more sharing and caring around that. So we already kind of started uh, here locally in Switzerland to share our findings with the law firms we are working with, but also with the tax opinions and the regulatory opinions we have. And we should be doing that in other countries. And I'm hoping that when we get this concept of community hubs up running, so uh, the idea is that to solve a local problem using the Cardano stack, but really a local problem. So we don't want to dictate the problem, right? We want to mm -hmm. go to certain uh, centers where, you know, city centers, which has, you know, a lot of people, like 20 million people, has good universities. They maybe already have a lot of blockchain exposure and actually kind of see what is needed to light the fire there, not to hire a lot of people, but to get some ambassadors, maybe some um, stake pool operators together to run a small incubator or, or get two or three governmental companies together to run a, you know, like a, a sprint or two sprints for six months to basically solve the, the power grid problem or whatever that is, but to solve really local problems. And I think when we are then in these countries already doing this, um, you know, solving these local problems, we should, from the foundation side, if at all possible, we should um, see if we can also look at the regulatory outreach there. Mm -hmm. So what can we do to de-risk those solutions which is being built to ensure that they're not just being a proof of concept or an MVP, but to ensure that they go live. And I think that's a really big task. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of the, the say the largest is going to come into our strategy. So as you can hear, it's kind of is in the head, is slowly being pulled through the organization, right? But we don't have it written down and ready to share yet. But um, but I think that, and then also the identity part which comes into that. Those two things make makes the value proposition of Cardano unbeatable if we get that right. And we should be sharing it. We should be giving it away because the more adoption the other protocols get the better it is for everybody. Now, Fred, in the fireside chat you had with IOHK's CEO not too long back, you mentioned how you thought there were ways to improve community participation. Can you talk about this? I mean, what are some of the problems you're seeing now with community participation, and what would you like to see moving forward into 2021? Yeah, so I... Um, so, um, it's always a good place. How do we start this in the, in the most constructive... So if, First part, which I'm super frustrated around, is that I do see a lot of Telegram channels, a lot of WhatsApp channels, uh, and a lot of Reddit channels and so on, where people are sharing amazing content around technical deployment, around code, around business models, and so on. But there's only so many people who goes into a closed Telegram channel and actually participate in that. So I think that some kind of a Wikipedia of, of, of these kind of information, like a like a like a distributed central repository for you know for all those kind of cool conversations and and you know uh, FAQs and bug hunting and all those kind of things would be an amazing part and would make it much more scalable. Uh, you know all the value creation which is happening in all those channels. So I like to call that the the developer portal. And the developer portal should obviously also have a vibrant stack exchange and should also have to be manned in my head. Uh, preferable with people from the community who can help other people to debug and, and answer questions, right? So I think some kind of, um, you know, I'm not thinking about a platform, but, as you know, some kind of a developer portal platform where all of this knowledge can be shared in a much more, um, you know, much more, much more structured format. So it benefits may, way more people. 
The other part which we've been looking at, as you know, that uh, Chaco has taken over our ambassador program, and we're looking at already taking the learnings from the first iteration of the ambassador program, right? And we want to make that much bigger. And one of the things I'm thinking a lot on is if, you know, there's different schools of philosophy around motivation. Uh, one is very much around that people are only doing something if they're paid for mm -hmm. it. Uh, another one is that people actually want to solve complex problems because it's really exciting and gives you a dopamine shot. But the problem is when you first started paying people for it, you actually only get what you pay for. And the incentive for doing creative solutions go down. And I think we have a lot to offer, not just from the foundation and IOG and Emurco, but I think we have a lot to offer from the whole ecosystem we're keying together. I mean, the best example is actually, uh, if you look to IdeaScale and also look to the public roadmap with the community made, right? There's so much value creation and brain power in there. Um, so I really think that we should be looking, and that's why we've dedicated Chagos to do this full time, to really look at how do we go away from this classical thinking of, you know, uh, you get $1 and you translate X, right? And then there's a max cap. But how do we go to a place where we really can, can, can basically, you know, get this value creation on steroids, right? where really mutual trust evolve and people ecosystems around our ecosystem starts evolving, right? And things starting to be brought together. Um, so I think there's a lot to be done there yet. And I think right now the energy who is in the community is amazing. But if you will be able to focus that a little bit and maybe use blockchain technology like we're seeing that hopefully the next iteration of Catalyst will one day also be using some of the voting mechanism and so on. Uh, on chain, right? But if we see that, the time, and that's going to be the, it's already the world's largest decentralized accelerator and VC fund, mm -hmm. right? And yeah, uh, I didn't know that. You know, I think that's going to be a lot of learnings in there. Uh, and the energy that goes in there is amazing, mm -hmm. right? So, but we need to kind of, we need to kind of get that out into the ripples of the ecosystem. So it's not just around Catalyst, but also around, you know, building business models and building and solving local problems and ensuring, you know, good voting entity systems and so on. So, yeah, Can I think that's a lot. Oh, this is a little bit high level, right? But we don't have the magic key yet, uh, but we are we're very much aware of this and we are dedicating some of our smartest people in the foundation uh, under Eva Uberhalser, right, to kind of to, to pull this through. We want, we want the community to to prosper and create more value for itself, but for the whole world, actually, right? Yeah, and that brings me to my next question. Can you discuss Cardano Foundation's stake pool delegation policy? That's kind of the buzzword right now with all of the arms of Cardano. What's your delegation policy? You've already kind of tweaked the policy following the K uh, parameter adjustment. Uh, we have a lot more network configuration ahead. What's CF's or, or Cardano Foundation's uh, overall objective when it comes to its delegation policy? Yeah, so the, it will evolve over time. Right now, it's really to support small, small stake pool operators in a decentralized or fully decentralized Cardano, so a very stable decentralized infrastructure. Now, we got a little bit of feedback around that some of the delegations we made was actually uh, people who ran multiple pools. And again, here, you know, it's, 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 it's fantastic we get that kind of feedback because then we can do something about it. But it is, it is still a little bit of a young strategy. So in, in essence, it's really around supporting small stake pool operators in a decentralized fashion. 
Now, on the other side, we also have to look at, you know, I believe it, you know, impact pools or sustainability pools should also be within our radar. Because let's not forget that social good and actually changing the world is a part of the, the vision of Cardano, right? Um, but for now, we had some really good discussions with a couple of stake pools. And what I'm a little bit worried about is that we need to get to a place where the stake pools, you know, is able to also show that they actually take a part of their money uh, or, or a part of the, the rewards there, right? And give that to, a, to an impact um, um, NGO or, or charity, right? And to do that, we actually need to get to a place where we have way more um, payment rails that also the charities and also the NGOs accept ADA. And to get there, we need to get to a place where more banks accept ADA, and there's much more, you know, it would be much more common. Even and exchanges, actually, you know, I give, a, I, I do a lot of charitable giving, and I've contacted all of the organizations I give to to see if I can pay with cryptocurrency because there are tax advantages to doing that. And it really, what I have found is that it really falls on the exchange that that NGO or organization that, that they have an account with. Do they support ADA? Which I'm sure that's just coming more, going to be more common as we move into the future. Yeah, but it's one of the things we should move around with, right? Because for me, um, I said to somebody the other day, and the more time I say it, the more I'm kind of obliged to kind of walk the path, and I would say it publicly, right? I said, why don't we get 50 banks to accept ADA, to do deposit accounts, to do uh, you know lending, to do structured products, and to have payment rails in ADA, which basically would allow NGOs and charities not only to have a, a payment gateway, but also allow them to actually have and then receive accounts in that. And oh, the banks will only be interested in that if you pay them for it or if you generate a demand. And 99% of the crypto demand out there today is Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. And then there's maybe 1% of others, and that is very much towards Ethereum, right? And then if 80% of that 1% is Ethereum, then you have 20% left for you know yield farming and <laughs> DeFi and other things. So that's actually kind of where we stand today, right? So um, the banks I'm speaking to right now, and we have a, have a pipeline, right, uh, around that is we're actually talking about instead of us paying them money for doing an integration, let's spend the money on marketing. Let's spend the money on, you know, for instance, how can you use ADA as an inflation product to actually guard against inflation? Mm. Because everybody's thinking about, you know, oh, is there inflation? Is there no inflation, right? But in, in my view, and maybe I'm also a bit more from the Austrian school, right? We have a big inflation at the moment, right? We have printing, we have all sorts of things going around, right? And if you only then, you know, have Bitcoin and gold as an alternative and maybe, you know, uh, property, right? Uh, at one time, that also even for, you know, kind of, your, you know, mediocre people gets a little bit full and you get a lot of, uh, you, know, you know, risk there because everybody's centralized, right? So why not ADA? I mean, I think, you know, it should be very common. But one of the reasons why ADA is not on the board, as you're saying, is that it's just very few people who is able to deal with that. Mm. And it can get very can, can get very hard, actually. One of my employees told me that he had to go through 15 steps to buy ADA. And he's, you know, in, in my foundation, right? And that was because he didn't have a Binance account already and all those things. So when he was actually counting through the user journey of him actually being able to finally get that investment, right? 15 steps, right? And I'm thinking, you know, there is digital challenger banks out there today who's growing like double digit in, in, you know, in accounts, right? And some of them already with the swipe of a button, even though there's a large spread, 
uh, you can get Bitcoin, you can get, you know, Tezos, you can get Ripple, you know, you should be able to get ADA, right? Uh, but to do that, we need to kind of start creating that demand for it. And um, so what? one of the things I'm looking at is, 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 is really that. And the other part is how do we measure that, right? And to measure that, we need to look at the transaction fees. So when you look at all the transaction fees on chain, um, what is it? I don't know if you ever looked at that. It's a very interesting comparison. There's a couple of uh, community members who do these things mm -hmm. out there. But what you will see, of course, is that you have Ethereum way up there, mm -hmm. right? And then you have Bitcoin and a couple of others. And then actually ADA comes, and then there comes some of the more famous proof-of-stake protocols below us, mm -hmm. right? And then you have to kind of ask yourself, well, why is that, right? And that is because of our dear community. That is because of the staking. But actually staking and a little bit of buying and holding is the only kind of activity we have today. But now with the develop, you know, with the launching of the uh, of the of the uh, of the new nets, right? So allowing you to write Solidity and other languages, but right? and then with Pluto's coming, we should be looking at this very heavily because the more smart contracts out there who's being deployed as real infrastructure, as real mission critical infrastructure, who's always been called and is paying a little bit of ADA. Right, that's a, for the greater good of the community. It makes a much better protocol, right? It makes more money into, uh, you know, into the catalyst, really, right? If you think about it like that, right? It gives more ideas of, of improvement, mm -hmm. and it's benefiting the whole thing. So, so for me, from coming from a, I'm a banker to actually kind of saying, I think we need to increase the demand of ADA in the general population by allowing people to be able to use that around charities and NGOs, but also other things. Um, and uh, that then trickles down all the way through the supply chain, really, and solves some of the big issues we did not have a lot of focus on before. And that must be the Cardano Foundation's role to kind of look at that uh, in terms of, you know, the market infrastructure landscape. Where is it we should take a battle to get that running and where can it get running for as many countries? Uh, as possible in one shot. All right. Now we're going to switch gears a little bit. You had touched a little bit on this earlier, your marketing team. Your marketing lead, Miriam Maju, was named one of the best blockchain marketers in the world. Uh, we actually interviewed her not too long back, and it was a really good interview. Also, uh, the Cardano brand reappraisal that Bakit Azimkov, uh, excuse me, Azimkanov, I'm terrible with name pronunciations. Anyways, that was nominated for the prestigious ICAD Awards. It seems like you have a very strong Marcoms function that others are talking are taking notice of, and I bet even trying to headhunt. Um, what do you think that, uh, in light of all of that, what do you think that uh, mass adoption of Cardano looks like? I mean, you're really killing it as far as the marketing goes. So what are you thinking as far as mass adoption? No, I, so in essence, um, I welcome very much. Um, so one, I have a couple of leadership principles. I think we spoke about that in the first podcast, right? And, and, and one of them is that everybody working for me should get two really good uh, job offers every year. And it must be my responsibility to ensure that people across market get these job offers. Because if we do that, it means that we are creating value and it means that we have attractive people uh, working for us. And if they then leave because the, you know, the offer is too good, uh, hopefully it also means that the, we bring a little bit of Cardano out to that new company and they think about how do they actually also you know, build in their new company infrastructure on us. Um, but I like to kind of turn this upside down. I think we are too, looking to isolate it on blockchain. Um, you know, when, when I look out there, right, and from where I'm coming, uh, Cardano is still not a, a known name. Huh? Cardano is not a known name for infrastructure. 
in the financial and capital market space. Cardano is not a known name for for uh, pharma life science and, and, and medical data and all the use cases there. So where is Cardano actually a, a household name? And, and I think that's, that's also one of the reasons why we have a lot of focus on our growth strategy, right? Because uh, I believe that we need to create a demand and the demand has to go much further than uh, just holding ADA. It has to go into a direction of actually using and have utility off the chain. And um, so, so for me, household adoption can look at many ways, right? But the first step we need to do is to ensure that we have way more transactions on chain. Uh, because that shows that people sees a value. It shows that people sees a utility, not just holding it, uh, and then and then it goes up in value, right? Mm -hmm. uh, the next thing we have to have a look at is that from a regulatory and compliance perspective, we need to de-risk a couple of things. And yes, we also need Plutus and, and Malawi and a couple of other things to really kind of rock the boat, right? But the Kev, uh, MDevNet and stuff like that coming is definitely helping a lot. But um, but to be frank with you, and you know, I've been a part of some of the CBDC projects and 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 so forth, right? When you walk into one of the large integration uh, companies like Accenture or KPMG or PwC or any of those, we are not our name. We are not even you know you you don't even speak about us, huh? So um, and you have to ask yourself why, right? And I think so. I think we can do a lot more in marketing and comms still. Uh, but yes. Um, you know, having a high performance team is really important, but we need to also get out of the cycle. We do not compete in blockchain, full stop. We compete in infrastructure hmm. and infrastructure. Blockchain is only like a, a nickel in the ocean for that right now. But in the future, blockchain is going to be the infrastructure, right? So if we start thinking, you know, isolated about, you know, transaction throughput against other chains and stuff like that, then we lost. Mm -hmm. That's not our fight. Right. So, and, um, so yeah. do you think that mass adoption is going to come from mass marketing or is mass marketing going to come from mass adoption? I mean, is it the, how do you think that's going to work? Or is it from, say, industries like uh, infrastructure where blockchain is, as you say, a nickel in the ocean, uh, beginning to embrace blockchain? Is that how adoption is going to, are we going to see it? I think mass marketing is uh, is not feasible for us. And the reason why I'm saying it's not feasible is because simply we don't have, A, the money for it. And secondly, I think the tools of mass marketing has has is, is a little bit past now. Huh? So, you know, search engine optimization, Google AdWords, you know, commercials in the airport, all of those kind of classical channels, they don't really work. Huh? So we so can... You're, you're kind of guessing. So uh, what we... So, so either if we should marketing, it would really be going to Catalyst and asking for money from the community to fund that. And I think the community is really smart. So they'll probably get to the same conclusion as I just gave them now, right? Um, so I think we would not get voted in on that. So our own funding is simply not sufficient to kind of play in that game. And I think Catalyst will not vote us in. So scratch so, no, the Super Bowl commercial or the World Cup commercial. That's probably not going to happen. No, I don't think so. <laughs> if it happens, it would be due to uh, a, a one or two individuals who just love Cardano and is doing that to prove a point. But it's not going to come out of the Cardano Foundation. But if one or two individuals comes together and say, we fund it because we're going to prove the world that now when the U.S. regulator says that an ID has to be connected to a wallet and we have a prison, uh, a teleprison, right? So let's prove the point that we can do that. I'll be open for working with the marketing team around that. 
but uh, from a from a just basically from what it costs is just worth it huh now we have to look at growth hacking so a and b testing about you know what is the real problems and how can we with as as, as little money and resources as possible make a maximum impact and there's some really big very easy problems out there to solve and we just need to de-risk solving it on a decentralized protocol that sounded really a lot with d huh but the yeah. That's, that's actually the way forward I see it. And the other part is we're really lucky because a lot of people have done some of the hard work before us. So, uh, I mean, I just had a, um, a bank on the phone who's been, you know, building a really nice tokenization platform and they all built that on Ethereum. And now they're mm. saying, you know, the gas prices are really high. Well, you know, Cardano looks very attractive. Would, you know, here's the scope, you know, would you be able, can we, can we port this now to Cardano, right? And you're like, hey, and, uh, here's yeah. our KEVM. Yeah. Well, all right. So um, what I'm just trying to say, right, is that I think there's a lot of the work has actually already been done. Mm -hmm. And the fact that we are now coming out with such a high quality product, which is solving some of the foundational issues that was in the first deployment in enterprise blockchain, right? Mm -hmm. um, it, so I think it's more about being smart, being razor sharp, being very focused and saying, what is it we want, mm -hmm. right? and then go after that. Yep. And I think, you know, if you suddenly discover in your high street bank, wherever you are, that, you know, you, you know, that you can actually buy or get exposure into ADA compared to getting exposure into, I don't know, SP500, um, you might think about what is that, right? And if you're then your account manager or relationship manager suddenly gives you a little bit of education around cryptocurrencies and you can hold it and you actually also understand it doesn't cost extra uh, to, around the, the tax statement, right? then we are suddenly you know whoa right uh, and and then by the way you're in the committee and you're deciding on what is the new infrastructure we're going to have in the in the company you're having and then you see one of the one of the providers or one of the people who wants to get into your shop due to the rfp process happens to be cardano right mm -hmm. um then you're like oh i already have invested in that it seems to be going really stable your monitoring it right and now it's also bidding in on your infrastructure right um, then you go to your auditor, right? Because, or, or you go into your, you know, your third-party person who evaluates those things, whether it's an official auditor or not, and they say, yeah, no, Cardano, no problem. You know, the the, the blueprints, the specs, the libraries, we all had a look at it. It's SOC two, all of it is fine, right? Then we are kind of, you know, we're walking full circle. Then suddenly, it's it's not that risky to choose Cardano anymore, right? And actually, it's not only not risky, it actually makes a lot of sense, both from a business perspective, from a political perspective, and from actually, you know, ensuring that the future is going to be for the architects of the future and not just for the victims. Because anything you want to do on AI, let's face it, right? If the AI is trained on bad data, you don't get the best AI, right? So if AI is trained on data on a blockchain, which has the right formats and has the right templates and forces people to basically do those things, right? Again, it's a win-win situation. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so I think it's 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 very much around not mass marketing, except if somebody wanna donate a bit on that. Mm -hmm. It's very much on growth hacking. It's very much around you know closing those loops to ensure that people feel very comfortable, even incentivized 
to actually choose the infrastructure of the future. Yeah, it's all such fascinating stuff. I, I love marketing. It's kind of, you know, marketing and PR, it's one of my things. Fred, listen, thank you so much for calling in and answering our questions. It goes without saying, but the more we can talk to you and ask those questions, some of them might not be so easy to answer. It really goes a long way towards transparency and the trust that you like to talk about so much. I really see it as you putting your money where your mouth is by coming on the show. And it's important uh, for me that you know how grateful we are. Well, thank you for letting me in here. And I hope to see you maybe in a month or two so we can continue the discussion. Absolutely. Absolutely. I do look forward to talking to you again soon. All right, folks, that is our show for you on this Friday Christmas evening. If you'd like to comment on something you've seen on the show or if you have a story idea, you can reach out to us on the following channels. Telegram, Twitter, there's also my email address. Of course, you can always keep the conversation going in the comments below. Don't forget to like this video, subscribe to our channel, and delegate to United States of Cardano, our premier high-pledge competitive fee stake pool responsible for bringing you this Cardano newscast. That's ticker USA01. Look us up on Daedalus or Uroi. If you missed the first part of Fred's interview, you can check that out by clicking right here. All right, everybody, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa, whatever it is you celebrate, we wish you a truly happy holiday season, and we're grateful that you're watching the show. Take care, everyone. I'm James Kiever, and that's your Cardano Update.